like the real deal now. Ooh. Gonna kick this sorry ass out on the street. to the London Wrestling Podcast. My name is Robert Fuller and we're turning to the show. The co-host of the Wasm River Podcast is Joe Brilliant. Joe, welcome back. Oh, thank you very much. It's good to be back. <laughs> and um, we are continuing our series on the Undertaker Streak and this time he is facing Shawn Michaels in a wee match at WrestleMania 26. And uh, during the matches, this match is very good but I enjoy this more for the story itself behind it because it's all about obsession for Shawn Michaels. It's not really, it's not the Undertaker, but it's focusing more on Shawn Michaels. Well, yes and no. I think I think they I think the focus was on was in, in both matches was kind of equally on the two of them because you know by the point that they had the match at 20, WrestleMania twenty five. Um, you know, the, the the focus is on Sean being Mr. WrestleMania and, you know, and the Undertaker's streak. So I think, you know, even by the match at 25, it's about, you know, these are the two names most associated with WrestleMania, um, you know, and, and what's going to happen. Now, of course, at this point, it's very obvious that the Undertaker is never, ever going to lose at WrestleMania um, because it would be stupid to do so. So, you know, I think by by this point, you know the Undertaker's going to win. Uh, you know that Sean is at the point where he's probably ready to retire, because um, this is Sean's retirement match, of course. Yeah. Um, so I think everybody knows how it's going to turn out, but but I still think that yeah, I mean the Undertaker Sean um, fought hard for to get this match. He wanted the rematch, and, and Undertaker turned him down uh, repeatedly. Yeah. Until he until he finally said, you know, I'll give you the match, but you have to put something on the line, and, and it's going to be your career. So yeah, no, that's pretty much how it all starts. Pretty much starts like well, the Slammy Awards because it wins Match of the Year, a uh, twenty-five match, and right. um, and then Shawn Michaels is like it's actually war about to go off. They come back and goes, actually, I'm I can beat you, so I challenge you to re- to rematch. Um, at that time, Undertaker was World Heavyweight Champion because he beat CM Punk a couple of months beforehand. And um, so Undertaker's like, going, nah. Um, so Shawn Michaels, he does it by, he tries to enter the Royal Rumble. Um, and he's, he's on fire in that, but Batista eliminates him. Um, and he doesn't take that well because he's like, there's one bit where he's like super kicks Charles Robinson pretty much into next week. Um, and he also fails with the um, trying to qualify for the Elimination Chamber. And during this time, it's kind of, you see tension between him, it's friendship between him and Triple H. Triple H going, but dude, you know, you're going too far here. Uh, you can face, uh, as one bit where he goes, but you've got plenty of other guys to face in WrestleMania. And Shawn Michaels goes, not for me, and walks off. Um, mm-hmm. and then, but he does force the issue at the Elimination Chamber, um, where Undertaker in the World Heavyweight Championship match. He, everyone else will be eliminated for him and Jericho. He has, pretty much has the match won, and then you see a bit where Shawn Michaels comes out of the draping, uh, super kicks Undertaker, and Jericho takes advantage of it to become 
become champion. And and that's when Michael's like, so the next day Michael goes like, okay, if he was given Undertaker a reason to fight him, and that's when Undertaker comes out and goes, well, if I if I beat you, your career is over. Yeah, so yeah. And, and, and that, that part of it I, I really enjoyed. And this is pretty much, uh, I mean, even though it's Sean's retirement match, I mean, if, if I remember correctly, this is pretty much the end of Undertaker's, you know, active, regular career. Um, pretty much after this, he just starts showing up at WrestleMania and then disappearing for almost a year and then showing up on TV for a few weeks and wrestling at WrestleMania and disappearing. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I I, I, mean, I could be wrong about that, but I, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember when that really started in, in earnest. Because as you say, he had been the champion briefly, you know, up to this point, and and he 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 had still been pretty active. Um, but uh, again, as of as of now, and uh, definitely as of now, basically he just wrestles once a year at WrestleMania, and that's it. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm thinking. I think after this, after this Christmas match, I think he goes on for a bit longer. Because I remember there's a feud involving him, Kane, and Mysterio, uh, where I think uh, someone attacked Undertaker and Kane like played Mysterio for it. Okay, that's kind of the basis of the feud there. Um, mm. Yeah, with, with the match itself, um, it's part of. I think it's a pretty decent WrestleMania itself. Um, probably the exception of the probably the Vince Brett match because um, that's. That's, that, was, that was a decent, okay, match, but it kind of went too long. Um, with this match itself, it's the main event, and the commentators mm-hmm. are Michael Cole, Jerry Lawler, and Max Stryker. Um, this is Max Stryker's actually only WrestleMania's commentator, and mm-hmm. I thought he, was, uh, he, he tried to do something different. He was very, a bit more of a philosophical kind of commentator, but mm-hmm. there were times where he, he can be a bit annoying. Uh, I actually, I like Matt Stryker's commentary quite a bit. Um, I, I he he has a I know he I know he annoyed a lot of people but um I actually liked it because it wasn't his style of commentary was not the standard style that WWE has been trying to uh get their audience used to um you know his style was kind of a throwback to um you know uh, uh almost a gorilla monsoon um like it was almost like he was trying to be a combination of Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan kind of yeah. at the same time. Like He was very analytical, but then he would also throw in, say, really weird, random pop culture references. For a while, he insisted on referring to uh, William Regal like almost exclusively by the names of... like Referring to him with uh, like Smith's and Morrissey references. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, you know, and, and he did stuff like that, which I which I really enjoyed. And and Michael Cole is just completely insufferable, and so I would rather have Matt Stryker uh, out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I do I do kind of miss him because I think he plays with Booker T, and with Booker T, he tried decent, but some of the things he said were just like bizarre and hilarious, but hilarious for the wrong reasons, kind of thing. Yeah, I, I actually also like Booker T a lot because of the weird, bizarre things he said too. I think it's just that I I they try to play it so straight with even with with Lawler at this point you know Lawler used to have a lot more character um you know and now he doesn't really do much he's sort of um like Lawler used to be kind of I mean he was always kind of obnoxious but that was sort of the point 
And now he's sort of like transmogrified into like a boring Jim Ross now that Jim Ross isn't around. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and they just, they've kind of done away with the idea of the heel commentator uh, to a certain extent. Like after Cole's attempt at that, which was the most obnoxious thing probably in announcing history um, and went on way too long. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they've, uh, they've kind of moved away from having a, a babyface commentator and a heel commentator. And, and I kind of think that's for the worse, honestly. Um, I don't think there's as interesting of a dynamic, you know, when they try to have their commentary team be like, uh, you know, Monday night football, you know? Um, so. Yeah. I mean, completely agree with that. Um, when we get to the match itself, um, John Webb comes out first and then also it comes out, you got the arena going dark and the players go out of the stage. Um, and it seems like every year it seems to like alternate. It's like one year you wear like, you know, like the cowboy kind of gimmick, like with mm-hmm. a hat and all that stuff. And that's why he wears like this like super shredder stroke assassin's treat. Um, <laughs> um, Kate Fred. Um, right. when the match starts, uh, they have the stare down and Michael does both slip. And, um, it kind of starts mm-hmm. with, um, what I is in both WrestleMania matches, uh, um, I don't know, he must have like, God, it kind of like bought the wife's off flair or something, but he does a lot of chops in both matches. Because mm-hmm. um, the beginning starts when uh, one ticket kind of goes after, Michael just kind of backs into a corner, and uh, ticket goes after him, and then he, Michael just died and he had a few chops. Uh, ticket hits Snake Eyes extremely early, by, uh, in fact, after like two minutes into the match, and then hits a big boot. And then he goes to Avalanche Bands and then uh, does the old school, just like Michael's trying to like stop him. And, yep. uh, but Undertaker lands badly on his knee. Yep. So this is this is where the match kind of goes off the rails for me. And this is still a really good match, but yeah. he obviously tweaks his knee, and he's obviously not selling it, but actually favoring it for pretty much the rest of the match. Yeah. Um, and that's probably a large part of. Well, I think the psychology isn't as on point um, as it is in the previous year. Yeah. Um. But also the fact that the Undertaker obviously tweaks his knee at that point so early in the match, and then is is favoring. I mean, he's trying not to, um, but you can tell he he. And obviously, he didn't hurt it too terribly because he, you know, it's not like um, <laughs> it's not like on a on a recent what a maneuver we watched uh, the pay per view where Scott Putzky's knee explodes um, right. on uh, was it at the Ground Zero pay per view. Um, and, you know, obviously if that had happened, uh, even Undertaker would have been hard-pressed to continue because what happened in that match for people who may not be familiar with it or don't care or know who Scott Putzky <laughs> is, and, and you shouldn't, um, but he had a match with, uh, with Brian Christopher at the Ground Zero pay-per-view, and he, he's on the outside, and uh, Christopher comes over the top with a, like a, a crossbody to the outside, and uh, Putzky takes the bump like total shit, and uh, his... His his kneecap, his patella is dislocated, and it's like up in his thigh. Um, oh. It's really gross looking, and uh, that that ends his WWF career. He ends up going to WCW sometime after that. But but the match just ends like he basically just lays on the outside and waits for a stretcher to come get him. The ref just counts him out, and they just end the match. Yeah, um, I was speaking. Some I've discounted my knee three times, so I know how he feels. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that that kind of 
but Matos does spend a lot of the match like focus on the knee. Uh, there's a bit where yeah. he, he does go for the choke stand, but because you have to like kind of bend to lift the guy up, you can't really lift yeah. him. Um, and then take a go for try to go for two stones instead, with Matos with all of it, and then take a try to go for a choke. But Matos is like kick, kicking the knee, and he almost hits the street chain music. Um, Dashing goes to the outside briefly and takes goes for the suicide dive to the outside, but Michael runs in and spears the knee. And then he does the figure four. And he, I don't know, I, I, the way I prefer people apply the figure four is where you drop the leg and then kind of swing round. But he kind of mm. just puts it together and then just sits down. It, it, it mm. just looks weird. Yeah, yeah, it does. There's, I'm tr- there's somebody else who's done it that way historically. And I'm trying to remember who it is. Where yeah, they just like. Yeah, maybe with the few times you ever see Hogan attempt a, a you know, yeah. something like that. I think you pretty much have to watch his stuff from Japan to even see him try to attempt something yeah. like that. But um, yeah, he, um, yeah, he he folds it up and rather than walking it around like Flair. But yes. um, yeah, it's, um, sorry, just before that, um, when I, when I actually goes a little bit off the outside, um, tickets to get the team legs off and personally again. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael says that this is the most anticipated match in WrestleMania history. I look at himself, I don't think so. I mean, it's, it's good match. It's, it's wow. look forward to, but not, I don't think it's like the most anticipated match. Uh, that's, I mean, professional wrestling historically is laced with hyperbole. So uh, that I, at that time, I definitely was excited about it because they had such a great match the year before. And in that light, it was to me, it was kind of a disappointment at the time. Yeah. Um, just because, again, I, I don't think it's as good as their match from WrestleMania 25. Yeah. But um, I would say that, I mean, uh, th- 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 I mean, when you say something like that, you're comparing it to, like, Hogan versus Andre and even, you know, Hogan and Mr. T versus Piper and Orndorff, which uh, was the first WrestleMania main event but was anticipated for different reasons. But it's yeah. that's such a hard thing to gauge. That's just hyperbolic announcer garble especially coming from Cole who's terrible so yeah <clears throat> okay um we let the the exchange blows and then Michael does a fine forearm but he gets a bit choked down for two uh it goes through the um the tombstone but Michael's uh might scare of it and applies the ankle lock and then Drake finds it and one thing I like is is um Max Drake is like emphasizing what the move is actually doing to undertake his leg Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. but eventually take a kick out of it and then um, Sean Michael close lines and both over the top rope um, Michael tried to do a springboard crossbody but it's caught by Taker and it receives a tombstone to the outside yep um, with this match it, it, it said the only way it could end is by pinning four submissions does that, does that mean it's technically no certification uh, yeah I, that's it yeah, yeah that's technically I suppose it is yeah, but don't we do anything to suggest that? I mean, there's a bit with the table with the table later on, but don't like like go for chairs or like you know anything like that. Right. I, I think they just wanted it to. Well, there's 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 a really great moment in the WrestleMania 25 match where they brawl on the outside for a bit, and Sean hits a big move. I think it's I think it's actually sweet chin music, but I don't remember. And yeah. Taker is on the outside, and Sean gets back in the ring, and he's like pleading with the ref to count faster. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that th- doing that kind of eliminates any chance of that of that happening in this match. But also, there's no way that Sean could reasonably sell a tombstone on the outside and still make the ten count. Um, 
you know, and then yeah, there there will be uh, an exploded table uh, that we haven't gotten to yet, and that kind of thing. So I think the reasoning behind that is, uh, you know, of course to to save. Uh, although uh, I believe that, and you've been watching all these, and I haven't watched all of all of them recently. So you have to correct me if I'm wrong. But if memory serves, um, Undertaker beat Jake the Snake Roberts with a tombstone to the outside of WrestleMania Eight. Yes, he did. Um, even though uh, Roberts' head was like a good foot off the floor. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I think I think what I was saying at the park at the time is that um, obviously I don't know what the, the pads were like then, but sorry, it's probably not has. Uh, probably more safe to probably, um, WWE probably more safe to conscious now because you've got like the padded barriers and probably the pads on the on the outside are probably a bit thicker and you can like take moves like that. So it's probably like just take probably like, like playing like safe here with that move. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, I think that's all the time. It's, I mean, with that match, it's I would like the story and everything, but it's a bit anticlimactic when he does it and then just rolls him in and pins him. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, when um, well, Michael's now on the floor as a tombstone, and Medic calls it checking him, but Taker's like, nah, fuck that. Attacks the Medic. <laughs> and um, well, Michael's back inside, he calls for two. Um, he tried to go for the, for the last wide, but Michael turns it into an X Factor type maneuver. Yep. yep. Um, and it's a bit weird between the commentary because um, Taker thinks he hit the last wide, and Pop's like going, well, no, he didn't. Um, so I think. I think I think it's probably a bit of confusion by both commentators there. And then uh, Shawn Michaels does do the cover, but he only gets two. Yeah, uh, it's, they replay it, and it becomes a lot clearer on the replay, uh, where they show Shawn kind of wriggle out of it and grab the back of his head a little bit more clearly. Yeah. Um, you know, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where it's just... it's it Those kinds of things are difficult, and I think you have to be very careful... I think one, the commentators um, sometimes react too quickly in a situation like that. But I also think that um, the performers, even guys as good as as these two guys, have to make it very clear what's happening. Um, because in those kind of sort of weird reversals, if you if it's not clear, the audience gets confused, and the commentary team gets confused, then they confuse the audience more. Yeah. Um, I just watched uh, our next our next one of maneuver is going to cover uh, War Games uh, WCW Fall Brawl 1997. Yeah, and there's a match where um, Jericho goes for a superplex, and I'm trying to remember who he's wrestling. I've forgotten already, but they like they sort of like twist into like a, a cross body, but it doesn't. It doesn't read well enough because they don't like commit to it well enough. So it kind of looks like he still hit the superplex, and then the other guy just pops up and like jumps on the top rope and then hits a like a finish off the top rope and then it's over. And I'm like, what happened? And you have to watch it again and be like, oh, that was supposed to be a crossbody or you're supposed to be a reversal, and it just doesn't it doesn't communicate well. And I think this uh, this last ride that we're talking about kind of is uh, symptomatic of the same the same thing. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, those those kind of things happen, uh, and you know, again, this match is um, I don't sloppy is not the right word because I don't think the match is sloppy, um, but it's sloppier than the WrestleMania twenty five match. 
which seems strange because it's the actual main event. Um, you know, it's it's it is such a big, highly anticipated match, but uh, maybe it's because Sean was at the end of his career. Or maybe it's because it was swelled as it always is. This was over in Phoenix, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and 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 this isn't an open air stadium, but it does have like a little vent on the on the top of it. Yeah. That's always open, so I get the sense that it's probably not very well air conditioned. You know, which it's very hard to air condition a um a, a venue that big. You know, no matter what. So. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, it might be the fatigue from the heat. It might be the Undertaker's knee is tweaked. It might be that it's Sean's last match. It could be a lot of things. But I again, I just it just kind of keeps coming back to you. the the matches will be compared forever and ever. Uh, you know, no matter what, and um, it just you, you know, kind of feel like uh, yeah, it's not uh, it's it's not on point in the same way that the WrestleMania twenty five match. Yeah, I think so. Um, is. Yeah. Um, Michael's now goes for the elbow drop, but he puts on his knees and then applies the Hell's Gate. But Michael managed to flip that over to make it into a pin. And it takes the string team music out of nowhere for two. Um, Michael's goes for the string team music again, but he takes a drop to the leg and hits the last wide, and that gets to him. And then, uh, then Taker sends Michael's over flying over the top rope. Um, and then, um, he tries, Taker tries to like, Put do the last ride. Put Michael's through the announce table with the last ride. But take Michael does his feature in music and puts um, take onto the announce table and then does a moonsault. Um, and that that kind of I think obviously with the moonsault he's supposed to land on the guy's chest. Um, <laughs> it doesn't hit usually. Like, yeah, you know, it lands on the on the taker's leg and he sends them both through the announce table. Um, yeah. I mean that looked it kind of looked cool, but also like because it doesn't really look that great either because Michael's kind of landed it technically on the one the place he's not supposed to. Right. I mean that's uh, there's a certain degree of uh, it's hard to be precise when you're jumping, <laughs> you know. Yeah. When you're when you're going that distance and that you know, um, and I mean either way. Oh, I mean additionally, Undertaker has been selling the knee. Uh, and he does immediately sell the knee as well. Like uh, when he hits that, he does hit him on the legs. But in, in Undertaker is good enough to to not sell his gut anyways. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like see, sometimes you see that where the move doesn't go off as as planned, but the guy who took it sells the wrong part of like sells the part of his body the move was supposed to hit anyways, even though that doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, but Undertaker immediately clutches his knee and starts like thrashing around, you know, clutching yeah. his knee. Yeah, so. um, yeah, and a lot, lot of it's like saying Taker's leg is broken. I'm like, uh, I don't think so. But <laughs> anyway, um, Shawn Michaels hits Street Team music for almost free, and Michaels can't believe it. And and then he tried to go with Street Team music again, but he gets a choke slam and then a tombstone for two as well. Um, then we get to the end of my circle, Taker goes for the folks the folk slash, um, but he stops and he's telling like Michaels now like. I think Michael knows his beat, but he's still he's still refusing to be beat. If that makes sense, um, right. he like put, using Taker to pull himself up, but Taker's like going, uh, you know, stay down, stay down, stay down. Um, Michael then does a full slap and then slaps Undertaker. Undertaker goes, "Well, fuck you then," <laughs> and then uh, does a a jumping tombstone to win the match. And and I think when. Uh, Michael Cole goes, Undertaker's 18-0, Shawn Michaels' career. 
is over. Um, and then tickets to the celebration poles and tags on displays 18 and 0. And um, but the last, the last bit was better in the end because ticket goes to leave, but he helps Michaels up and shakes his hand before he does leave. And the last image of the whole pay per view is Michaels going up the aisle, and the crowd is um, cheering and applauding and saying thank you, Sean. So um, I think with both matches, um, this one, I think twenty five is the better match, and I think that's probably my favorite match in the streak itself. And as you said, credit is a bit sloppy. Uh, not really sloppy, but you know, kind of not not really. Time is probably a bit off in a few few places. But it's still a good mm. match, and it's probably oh yeah, I probably still like the best match of that event itself. Even though oh, I, definitely. Even though I think twenty six is probably the reception of the events, the events rap match we talked about earlier. It's, it's still a try, uh, you know, decent pay per view. Yeah, I mean it's okay. It's got I didn't really I didn't rewatch the whole you know yeah. thing, um, you know, but. Yeah, I mean, I remember feeling like the 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 Punk versus Mysterio match could have been a lot better, but it's only given like seven minutes. Yeah. Um. You know, uh, Chris Jericho versus Edge match is is pretty good. Um. You know, but it you know it's it's not it's not bad. Uh, if memory serves, but again, I I didn't rewatch the whole four hour pay per view. I just rewatched this match. Um. But yeah, I mean, the thing about WrestleMania 25's match is that, you know, I mean, I I haven't done the uh, I haven't done the leg work, um, but I would say that that their match at WrestleMania 25 might be like the best match in WrestleMania history. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it's that's a tough act to follow. Um, you know, uh, and interestingly enough. Um, someone linked me to an article on BuzzFeed of all places, which I am, I am loath to give BuzzFeed clicks for any reason, um, because I despise them and all they stand for. But someone was like, oh, hey, Buzz, some, somebody at BuzzFeed did a, a ranked every match. There's like 287 total WrestleMania matches. And this, yeah, and this dude ranked all of, you know, uh, on his personal scale or whatever of, you know, how good they are. And um, the WrestleMania 25 match is number two. And it's beaten out only by, and this was the part where I just, like, I just looked at it and I was like, man, fuck, this list is bullshit. Fuck this list. <laughs> the WrestleMania 25 match between Undertaker and Shawn is number two. Number one is Ultimate Warrior versus Macho Man Savage from WrestleMania 7. Well, I've never seen that. I've been meaning to for years. I've never seen it, but I know. So. The story for that is like pretty much like Macho Man falls after and puts a kitchen sink at Warrior and he still loses. Yeah, well, so it's supposed to be well, okay. One thing that I hate about it is it's supposed to be a retirement match. Yeah. Okay, and and Macho Man, not only does he not stay retired like at all, he's back and wins the championship at WrestleMania Eight from Ric Flair. So yeah, I, I see like, your point there, but um, one thing that probably a bit different. It's not like, um, I think Flair, I think one time he retired, he just turned out of nowhere and like pretended it never happened. But right. Macho Man, um, there was a reason he kind of, he actually appealed to Jack Tunney to get his retirement revoked, effectively. So, I see your point there, is it is weird, he retires one year and the next year he's winning the championship. 
released that storyline, he at least made, you know, he did something, he had to appeal to, like, the higher authority to get it involved. Well, right, but st- it's still it's still dumb. And the other thing that I hate about okay, one, it's an Ultimate Warrior match, so I don't care what you say. There's no way that I will ever ever accept someone telling me that the ultimate a match the Ultimate Warrior had was the best match at WrestleMania in WrestleMania history. Because even when he's having tolerable matches, which that match I guess for an Ultimate Warrior match isn't the worst thing, but. And I've had disagreements with this in the past. Like, I know Jason Mann doesn't think it's that bad. Um, yeah. There's people who don't think it's that bad. But I, I hate it. Because what happens is Savage gives about... I want to say he delivers, like, seven elbow drops at the end. Just, like, consecutively. Maybe it's, like, five. It's a lot, though. He gives yeah. him, like, five, five or seven finishers in a row. Like, just keeps climbing up the ropes and doing it again and again and again and again. And pins the warrior, and he kicks out, and then hits a gorilla press, and pins Savage, and the match is over. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I mean, that's just it's it, it's a bad psychology, you know. To me, even in the case of a retirement match, especially in the case of a retirement match that doesn't stick. I mean, I realize that this match we just watched is a retirement match, and that it also contains like a flurry of finishers, but at no point does the Undertaker tombstone Sean twice in a row, and then Sean kicks out. You know, yeah. um, it's much more metered than that. And, and warrior is just, he's terrible. He's so bad. Um, so yeah, but, but I mean, the fact that the, the first undertaker Sean matches, uh, is number two on that list is, uh, is a testament to how great that match is. I guess, even if it's from a guy who doesn't know what he's talking about, obviously, because he put fucking ultimate warrior in the number one slot. But, yeah. um, the other thing that I that I wanted to mention is um, I actually so this is obviously the last Undertaker Shawn Michaels match. Um, I just watched the first Undertaker Shawn Michaels match. Um, they had never had a singles match um, until um, until Ground Zero, nineteen ninety seven. That was the yeah. first singles match the Undertaker and Shawn Michaels had, which is weird because they had both been around forever, yeah. uh, even at that point. You know, Sean had Sean came in with the Rockers in um, eighty eight, eighty nine, late eighty eight, early when when I'm sorry, he came in and stayed <laughs> in late eighty eight or early eighty nine because they were briefly there for a minute and then they there was a sort of legendary incident at a bar that kind of got them fired, not fired but not hired. I guess yeah. essentially is probably the better way to put it. They they were not hired. Uh, in like eighty six or eighty seven, and they came back and they got hired and they stayed. So Sean had been there since you know like eighty eight, eighty nine, and Undertaker had been there since you know ninety, and they'd never had a singles match. Like even it's weird that they never even you know just fed Sean to Undertaker in like a singles. You know, uh, like just as the well, this guy's part of a tag team, but he can't wrestle singles and just have Undertaker steamroll him at a like on a Saturday night's main event or something. Yeah. Um, and uh, but that was the, so that was their first singles match, was it? And and it's uh, it's pretty good until they start with uh, they they bump the ref something like eight times yeah. in that match, well, and it's. Just, yeah, it goes off the rails real bad. Like Earl Hebner himself, I think gets bumped. Just him gets bumped. I want to say four times. And then if you count Tim White getting bumped after the match is over, I think that makes a total of eight. Yeah. 
They, they go through four referees, and Hebner gets bumped four times. Oh you know, on his own, it's it's not it, it's not bad until that point, and then it just takes a turn for the stupid. Um, there's a point like the first thing Undertaker does is punch a ref, <laughs> um, and then oh, yeah, the match think, is allowed think, to continue. Um, I think it is also similar to uh, King of the Wind '99 because he was the champion and faced the walk. And the first thing he does is attack the referee because the referee yeah. has his back to him, it just attacks him. And it was like, what the fuck are you doing? Right. <laughs> that was, yeah. uh, I see, I've seen times when you just some some ref bumps are there for the sake of having a ref bump. I think right. uh, uh, we get TNA here, and that's part, not part of free because the way the TV system works here. And, um, I think, I mean, especially during Bobby Roos, there there's so many times when there was a ref up in the main event, and you're like, oh, Christ, again? You know what I mean? But, oh, uh, yeah. But, um, Bobby Roos tied away in was weird because he would, um, at pay-per-views, he would just cheat like fuck. Um, and there's one time where he actually gave the referee a low blow to get him to the That's how the pay-per-view ended. Um, yeah. but, but then they get a rematch, like the next, the next impact, and he pulls in quite good performers and actually when you know, actually wins the match. And I hate him to do that. He's like, you always seem to, he's like the heel, obviously, but the only way he can win is by cheating. And as I was always thought, what's the harm in making them win, like cleanly every so often because they're not going to cheat all the time. Right. Um, so um, this year at WrestleMania 30, all uh, takers facing Brock Lesnar. Um, do you think, yeah. think that's a good choice to have? Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, uh, yeah good. Uh, I think being the only person on the take uh, in that roster that he could face is probably Cena. But I think a lot of people are thinking that's going to be like the last match of the biggest streak. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of surprised that he's that he's still doing it, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, he's 20 and what he's 21 and oh at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and here's the thing, um, that I think is really interesting, um, about that is that, um, that doesn't include years that he, you know, was, was injured and couldn't wrestle. So you think about it and you're like, well, he's been wrestling for 21 years just for WWE, and but it's been longer than that, you know. And he's getting up there. He's a, he's 49, I want to say. He's almost 50. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, he saves himself just for this one match. So, you know, that that's a part of it, I suppose. Um, you know, is that yeah. is that uh, this is his? And you know, what's a, actually, it's a bummer is that the last Raw before WrestleMania is. Um, is actually, uh, it's tomorrow, obviously, and it's here. Uh, it's in DC, um, yeah. but I'm not. I'm not going. I kind of wanted to, but you know, the cost of a ticket and all that whatnot is. But I thought, and I also didn't realize when tickets went on sale that it was actually the last Raw before WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but have they announced where thirty one yeah. is yet? I'm sorry. Have they announced where thirty one is yet? I can only do it by now. I don't. Yeah, they normally do. Maybe they'll announce. They'll probably announce it on Sunday. Actually, right. now that I think about it, because usually they, yeah. they do. Um, but yeah, I think Lesnar is a really great choice because he one Lesnar has had really good matches since he's come back to wrestling. Yeah. Um, almost all of his matches have been good. Um, and I wasn't really expecting that. 
you know, when he had that that first match was with was it the first match with Cena or with Triple H? I it don't remember. C- it was Cena that he faced Triple H at SummerSlam. Yeah, yeah. Um, the match with Cena was really good. Yeah, I know that. I know that everybody hates John Cena and stuff. Um, yeah, but two thousand twelve was when I started to hate John Cena, and it was for reasons like this. Is I got sick to death of them always portraying him to be this underdog, and he's like what fourteen-time world champion. But oh, not that he. Every time there's a big threat, he beats him the first attempt. And you're like, well, they're not really a threat, are they? If he's mm. beating them quite easily. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Joe, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on the internet at, uh, well, there's a number of places. The main place would be on the stick.com. But if you just are interested in things I do that involve wrestling, probably the best place would be um, whatamaneuver.org. Um, <laughs> And uh, that is where you will find the What a Maneuver weekly wrestling podcast, where my friend Eric and I take a weekly sojourn into the world of professional wrestling circa 1997. We are watching every episode of Raw and Nitro, starting with the January 1st, 1996 episodes of Raw and Nitro, and going through every one of them week by week, including the pay-per-views, Clash of Champions, um, which actually we just watched the last one of those not that long ago. But you can check that out if you're not familiar with it um, there. And uh, Tom Holzerman of the Wrestling Blog called it the most important wrestling podcast going today. So take that for what it's worth. Yes, and Eric just cringes with embarrassment every time I say that. So I like to say it as much as possible. Um, you can find that there, and you can find it on the stick.com. There's all kinds of stuff going on there. And I'm not sure when this is going to be posted, but there will be a. Uh, I do a, a web series, video series called Same Name, Different Game about vintage video games. And there will be a WrestleMania special episode about pro wrestling for the Nintendo Entertainment System and the Sega Master System going up uh, before WrestleMania. So. That's, that's available there as well. And you can find me on Twitter at shake underscore well. Um, as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Lowdown Wrestling. Um, my website is lowdownwrestling.blogspot.com. Um, if you want to just, just look at the podcast, that's on lowdownwrestling.wordpress.com. Uh, but there'll be links to your know, Irish site on those. Um, just look at the reviews and the podcast series. And then after WrestleMania, we'll focus a bit more on opinion pieces and all that stuff. So, uh, Joe, thank you again for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, join us next time. We'll be with Kevin Mahan from the Attitude Era podcast, where we talk about uh, Undertaker Triple H two at WrestleMania twenty seven. So um, until then, thanks for listening and goodbye.